Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ghost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All Americans Network. This is Tom and Nick, and we are coming to you from the luxurious environs of our remote outpost in Delaware. We've been liberated from the teeming masses and oppressive heat of our home cities to join the annual family pilgrimage to the equally oppressively hot Rehoboth. But instead of sweltering in the daily grind in the bituminous coal mine, we come to you from the beach where happy hour starts as soon as we turn the mic off. And we imbibe in our early afternoon margarita, replete with paper umbrellas, gazing from our screened-in porch, past the proletariat with the parade of their spoiled, rotten progeny, whose every whim is indulged as the parents sacrifice their own precious, fleeting few days of vacation, and fixing our eyes on the reflected glory of the undulating waves of the Atlantic Ocean. It is June 30th, 2019, and we are really happy to be here. (laughs) That was good. And you're right. We are gazing upon the proletariat right behind us. This is scenic. This is our yearly trip to this uh, same beach house that we usually frequent over here in Delaware. Uh, the only thing he didn't tell you guys is that it really is just a porch. There's a small room inside of the porch. There's no air conditioning in here. So there's a fan you guys are going to hear in the background during uh, some of this podcast. We tried to get the sound as best as we could. But hey, we're in the same room. So that's an improvement on itself. So I did have a lot of time to write that preamble this afternoon no. as I did lunch, so sorry about that. But we will have a special guest we've been talking about for. for a long time. It's been a long time since he's been here, but we have P. Butch in the house, part of the family, part Literally. of the caravan, and he will be coming in to talk in a few minutes as soon as I guess he comes off the beach. Yeah, we got a wax poetic. He's a resident Jets fan. He's an NFL historian, certified, and... Um, He's the only other person who can relate to me in terms of his sickness uh, for the NFL and, and what it can do to him. Although he's he's seen it safe on the other side now. You know, he got over it. He got out of the Jets game for a little bit. P. Bush did. But maybe Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell will draw him back in. I mean, granted, Le'Veon Bell would have to show up to training camp to draw any fans back in. But oh, I guess he was there at the, at the end now, and, and we'll see him back in there. So we'll get some of his opinions as a Jets fan on, you know, how he feels about Le'Veon Bell not attending some of those camps before. I'm going to be totally honest with you, that Le'Veon Bell thing, my opinion still stands of like, it's just a douchey move. Like, let, it would be so easy for you to just go if, you know, it's your new team. If he were still on the Steelers, I would almost say, you know, going to this voluntary OTAs, it's not the worst thing or the best thing in the world. That's what we said about all the Steelers being there this year. It was nice that they were there, but, you know, Tom Brady wasn't at OTAs. At, at the Patriots camp. No one's going to remember that by the time training camp comes around. And I think that's going to be the same for Lev. But we'll see what he thinks. Granted, he has some of our 
input. I, uh, I was doing some reading this afternoon just to figure out what we're going to talk about. Maybe you guys read this article or were aware, were aware of this, that Big Ben is just 25 sacks away from breaking the record currently held by Brett Favre. The gunslinger. Uh, holding the most, uh, uh, has been sacked the most times uh, in league history. So he's got like 501, he's been sacked 501 times. So I don't think he's going to get it this year, maybe, because they've been holding Ben beneath 20 sacks for at least the past two years, if not three or four. You're, you're spot on. He, um, so I did, I did some analysis. What I was really I mean, interested to see, how many times he's been sacked. Per, per pass attempt. Yeah, and I know that's not perfect because he's probably been sacked on other times. But you know what? Of the top 20 quarterbacks in terms of sacks, most of whom, uh, and I stripped out anybody who, who hasn't had at least 5,000 pass attempts. Losers. He's about he's in the middle of the pack. He's about he he's sacked about seven percent of the time when he dropped back in total over his career. And as you correctly pointed out, he's had uh, he's been in sort of a, a low ebb on being sacked the last couple of years. Only 24 times last year, 21 years before that, and 17 in 2016. What about 2015? Uh, 2015 is 20. Yeah, so they've so been... The last bad, you know, call it bad year, it was 2014 where he was sacked 33 times. And he was on a bullet train to number one when you talk about the first 10 years of his career. I mean, especially during <laughs> the run to the Super Bowl when they beat the Cardinals. What are you trying to show me here? So I have a graph showing who, who, the, who was on the offensive line in our, the first Super Bowl in 2005. That was Heath, Marvell Smith, Alan Fanica... Harding's, Jeff Harding's, Simmons, Kendall Simmons, Max Starks. Yeah, Starks. that was a good offensive line. That was a very solid offensive line. And then when they beat the Cardinals in the Super Bowl and then went again against the Packers, you had Heath at tight end, Spath at backup tight end. You still had Starks, Chris Kiyomatu, uh, the human holding penalty himself, almost completely undermined the greatest game-winning drive in the history of the Super Bowl. Um, on the very first play. But really, if you think about it, he sort of contributed to, uh, contributed to the legend by backing Ben up further into his own end zone so the trip to Super Bowl glory could be longer and more magnificent. So maybe we'll thank him. Justin Hartwig at center. Stapleton, Chris Stapleton, current country superstar stinger, actually moonlighted as a guard for the Steelmen at that time. And, of course, Willie Colon, one of the coolest personalities in sports. He works for Barstool now, by the way. I don't know if you've ever heard, but Willie's doing, like, podcasts and stuff. He's really? a cool dude. Yeah, he he's another guy who comes out and defends Ben a lot, which is conveniently not mentioned by the media uh, when it comes to his lineman buddies. I guess he gives the preferential treatment to some of those linemen. But what I was trying to say at first is like you remember the whole like early parts of his career. The the theme was this guy isn't going to be able to play ten years. He just takes too many hits. Not only was the offensive line play atrocious after that first Super Bowl win, but he. He tried to take more. He took more risks. You remember that? Like, he was the ultimate, no, 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 yes, 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 player ever. And we used to say, like, Ben needs to get rid of the ball quicker. And that was, like, this constant debate with Pittsburgh fans. Does he need to get the rid of the ball quicker? Or is that what makes him Ben? Is that what gives you all the great plays is all the time he hangs onto the ball? And that was such a narrative through the first half of his career. And I think people hang on to career narratives that are even outdated because another one of the narratives about Ben Roethlisberger was that he 
he just couldn't be tackled. He's just basically a big oaf, a big dummy back there who can't get brought back down to the ground. And that always pisses me off because I think of of Ben sort of like Jerome Bettis, where it's like that body type does not look right for that position. But both of them so fleet of foot. The footwork, Ben's always been very smooth. And then so sometimes people talk about that as where his career is at now. But like we saw, Todd Haley, give him credit, he helped transition Ben into being more of a timing passer. He still does some of the Cowboy stuff, but it's been mitigated. And then the draft picks and acquiring Mike Munchak basically let the Steelers establish this awesome offensive line. And the second half of his career has been totally different from what it looked like was going to be you know, a wheelchair destiny based on the first half of his career. Yeah, well, happily, he, didn't, he, he did uh, evolve. But I think the word you used was smooth. And I, I think that was appropriate because Ben didn't appear quick. It's just elusive, slowly elusive. Somehow he just made a subtle, he could make a subtle yeah. move and avoid being hit. It's kind of a thing to behold by, by a guy that big and, yeah. you know, frankly slow. And yeah, he threw off Terrell Suggs when Terrell Suggs tried to tackle him before. So, of course, the big thing about him is he does... Uh, I guess the difference is more like... It's not that he's g- punching people into the ground. It's that he doesn't go down with the same type of hits that other quarterbacks go down with. And that used to be that same stupid <laughs> pregame... Uh, sort of hack move by the announcers every time you'd see them play like Ben Roethlisberger you know you gotta make sure you tackle him with two arms Troy Palomalo you always have to know where he is on the field every week for 10 years with those guys those were the narratives but it's just wild to see that I sort of lost track of Ben on the all-time sack list because it's been so great for the past few years but he really made the most out of it in the beginning of his career when it was like him and David Carr setting records back and forth for most sacked in a in a season or whatever it is well I thought it was just interesting I won't write off too many numbers here but over the top I looked at the top 20 quarterbacks in terms of sacks so Ben is definitely in the middle of the pack they average about seven seven percent of attempts they're sacked on at the bottom I already told you this earlier while we were on the beach. Right. Oh, yeah. But we need to tell Drew, the good people now. Drew Brees, 4% of... So if you just want to get a uh, perspective, order of magnitude, Drew Brees at 4%. Coming in second is Tom Brady at 5%. And third is Brett Havari at 5.2%. At the top of the scale, this is interesting. So third from the bottom, Archie Manning. Mm. 10.9% who last so played ends. in 19, 1984. Followed by Phil Sims, your buddy's dad, Woo! at 10.3, uh, and Randall Cunningham, I would have never, <laughs> 11.3. He, he was hit quite a bit. You need to watch Randall Cunningham highlights, by the way. There are some guys, I was tweeting back and forth with this, oh, I'll have to find, I'll bring up the tweet so we can reference it later, but I was talking back and forth with someone on Twitter the other day about Barry Sanders highlights, because they're absurd, and if you watch them, you know sometimes when you watch like the old highlights of players, but... They don't totally translate to now. Like, it's like their shoulder pads fit too big. They run upright. Even when you watch Stallworth, you're like, man, he would get laid out now. Like, these guys, you know, Julian Edelman's out there taking steroids. And uh, the athletes have gotten bigger, faster, and stronger. So sometimes you see highlights from guys from previous eras who were amazing. But the training wasn't the same. So 
you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. Like, yeah, I mean, at the time compared to his peers, he was beast. But you couldn't put him in a time machine and have him succeed now. Uh, Barry Sanders, not the case. He would be the identical running back now as he was back then. And we still have not seen anybody who's even remotely that elusive. He gets so used to hearing Barry's name, just like, oh, yeah, Barry Sanders is elusive. Watch the highlights. It's like better than Reggie Bush at USC highlights. I did watch the highlights, and you just watch his knees. as He, he does his cut. He does that head fake, but his knee, he like almost genuflex yeah. left and then breaks right just in a flash. It was amazing. So we were talking about him, uh, talking about Barry Sanders. I was referencing Randall Cunningham. He's another one. Oh, my gosh. He was, he was like a lizard back there. He was like a, a lizard on fire. The dude was bending, twisting, topsing, turning all over the place, and he was a real scrambler, and it would totally translate to today's game as well, which is cool. It's wild. Thaddeus Snow, shout out at Thaddeus Snow. We were talking about the Barry Sanders highlights. Thaddeus said he's the only guy I've seen more than once get a guy turned around then lose him completely because he flips back the other way. Ridiculous. Yeah, that was Barry. Randall Cunningham's another one. Kind of a forgotten name in the quarterback conversation because he didn't uh, win a Super Bowl, I guess. Uh, on like a, an awkward eighth grade date sort of situation where you like go with two guys and two girls and the two guys inevitably end up at the pop like the pop and shot yeah, station. Of course. They, but it wasn't a pop and shot. It was actually um, a giant version of that. So they basically had a big basketball hoop and a rubber crappy ball and you try and make it. Not rocket science. And they had all these old, very random NFL jerseys up as the prizes jerseys that only could be at like a carnival and uh that's how i won my randall cunningham nfc pro that's bowl jersey was it eagles or vikings i don't know because it was it was a pro bowl jersey and uh, i don't know what year it was from but it was a number 12 and it had the it was the blue jersey you gotta love it when you're when you're 14 you think women will love me if i scored the most basketball oh yes yeah, yeah. Yeah, granted, they were over getting funnel cake and didn't see my glory there, but I digress. So I think that this sack conversation is kind of a good way to segue into two topics, a Ben Roethlisberger topic, um, kind of more big picture, and then tie this a little bit back into the Chris Sims top 40 quarterback list that we defended him on last week. So... I don't know, Pat, you know, obviously you were paying attention to the NFL at the time. I was telling my dad earlier that in Ben's first six or seven uh, years of his career, it was like this foregone conclusion that, yeah, this guy's going to be in the league for 10, 11 years because his body's going to break down. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll just remember going back to that 2009 Super Bowl that you won. Yeah. I think for me, the, the... one play in the Super Bowl that probably symbolized our line is, was a Darnell Dockett shooting through the middle and sacking Ben early on on the on your last drive, right? Not on the last drive. They all shot through and he evaded them on the last drive. Okay. Well, but that did happen. And uh, Don't know and I can't good. think of the last quarterback to win a Super Bowl with one of the worst offensive lines in the league because Russell has one now. Right. But he didn't when he won a Super Bowl. Even no, though they were good. went to a Super Bowl. You know, you look at you know Tom Brady has had one of the best offensive lines in the league since he's entered into the league. Yeah. Like I see it every single time we play them. Like you just cannot touch him. Yeah. And so it's a big differentiator between the guys who can win without a line 
and the guys who can who need a line to win. And you look at the Jets when they went to two straight AFC championships. Mark Sanchez isn't a good quarterback. You know why he was able to put up decent numbers? He had a, one of the best offensive lines in the league. So to be able to do it without an offensive line shows how you know valuable you are as a quarterback. And the last drive in that Cardinals Super Bowl really shows that because he completes a pass on the first uh, drive of or on the first play of that game-winning drive. And of course, as we should have been conditioned to expect throughout the course of that year, there's a holding penalty immediately. And he goes back and almost dips back into his own end zone, and two guys shoot through. They're going to safety him, and he ducks in between them and hits Antonio Holmes, and then we're kind of off to the races after that. And that was just a perfect microcosm for how that whole season worked. But is Tom Brady going to do that? No. There's other things that Tom Brady's going to do that Ben can't do, of course, like in just terms of constantly making the right decision or maybe, I mean, that's, that's basically it. Kissing his son on the mouth. I mean, he's <laughs> going to be way better at that. Uh, yeah, he, uh, I just, my thing is, is like, I always put Manning ahead of Brady because I know Manning can do it without an offensive line. I know Manning can do it in different places outside of build a certain coach's system. Whereas as all those guys in the top of uh, Sims's ranking can, and Rodgers, can do it by himself. We've seen Russell it. Russell Wilson, by himself. Patrick Mahomes, Greek God, by himself. Roethlisberger, by himself. Andrew Luck. Never been able to see Brady do it by himself. He, You go back and you watch the Super Bowl. Very rarely touched. Aaron Donald couldn't get to him. Yeah, that's the thing. And part of that's because Dante Skarnecchia, who was their offensive line coach. What do you look at? Is there a... Is there a photo shoot going on it's here? It's a photo shoot for the Instagram page. You guys, this is a family podcast, and my mom is so touched that we're all doing a podcast together that she's taking pictures, and I guess you wanted us to look at the camera, but I think she wanted a candid, so we'll just oh, we keep, trashing, keep trashing Tom Brady and loving each other. <laughs> Granted, we got Jets and Steelers fans here, but, but honestly, I, what you just said about the top of that Sims list is why I think people need to be more open-minded to... Um, why he ranked those particular players high. So it's he put Rodgers first uh, over Mahomes. He said they're basically 1A, 1B. You could put either one which way. He, the reason why he put Rodgers at number one is just because of the experience factor yeah. is there. Then people want to be like, oh, he sucked last year. And, and I'm sure that most people here can't name their next receiver after Devonta Adams. He's not even that great of a receiver. Who's on the line? Who's their running back? Who's on their defense? I'm pretty sure if he had Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, Kareem Hunt, or Sammy if you Watkins. put him <laughs> on uh, the Patriots from 2001 to 2019, how many Super Bowls would he have? You know, and that, that's I've said, and I'll say it in class when I'm teaching the boys, especially if I have a Patriots fan in the audience. Uh, I think Tom Brady's one of the most overrated quarterbacks of all time, and then you well, know, our their audience is like, going to love you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I give my reasons, and I go through the list, and I'm just like, let me see you do it without Belichick. Right. And he's very good. He's very one of the best. In fact, if there are two minutes left in a game, it's a Super Bowl. There's probably no one else I'd want other than Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. But to me, give me the guys who don't need a coach, don't need a line can literally put their team on their back and do it on their own. Right, so we've had this discussion for two decades now, yeah. and we'll keep having it for the rest of our decades. But um, I think I hold Brady in a little bit of, of a higher esteem just from the fact... Um, yeah, Pat's picking up his phone and leaving. Belgium right now. Leaving. Yeah. 
Yeah, those don't usually end well. I would screen that. But my thing with Brady is I agree with you on terms of overrated only in the only in the sense of I think it's ridiculous when people just say he's the de facto number one quarterback yeah. of all time and there's no discussion. I mean, I get it because he did an amazing job holding the Rams to three points in the Super Bowl. You have to give him credit for the defensive game plan he drew up to hold the Rams. I mean, he went out there and he scored 13 points. I mean, it was amazing. You sent me a video of some guy being like, watch this five-yard out route by Brady. Oh, my God. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, exactly. There's a great video of that. But people – this is why I got angry on last week of the podcast – People get furious when you say that. He's Tom Brady. He has five Super Bowls. So are we attributing all of those to him? He had 90 yards passing. This became like a Tom Brady podcast. But this is what June and July are for when you're talking about football podcasts. Because this is interesting stuff. And I got legitimately pissed off about all the hate Chris Sims is getting on his quarterback list. Because he gave his quarterback list. And whether you agree with where the people are at or not. And I generally agree with all of them. I do think Tom Brady should have been a few steps higher because he still has elite arm talent. He just showed a video on Instagram where he threw the ball 61 miles per hour on the radar gun, which is as fast as Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes did it with their combine. Give it a rest, buddy. Like, this is my thing with him. (laughs) Go away! Just do your job and be quiet, you know? Uh, Yeah, but he finds these ways to motivate himself. But regardless, my greater point about this, like, quarterback list is when you say anything bad about Brady... People just say, he's Brady. He's Brady. Clearly, people who don't even watch 16 games a year, this or that. When Chris Sims, he goes through his quarterback list, and he gives you specific examples. He gives you games. He gives you plays. He gives you reasons. He, he'll, like the fact that Drew Brees, when they need to throw deep for the second half of the season, they bring Taysom Hill into the game because Drew Brees can't throw far enough. Taysom Hill threw a freaking interception to Sean Davis. In the Steelers game. And listen, everybody out there getting mad at me for talking crap about Sean Davis. I'm just teasing. I was very proud when he made that interception. It was a tremendous underthrow by Taysom Hill. But these things that people just forget the context of. And if you want to say Brady's better than Cam Newton or Ben or or Ryan, let's talk about it. Give me an example. Show me. Tell me what's it. Oh, oh, he won the Super Bowl. He was horrible in the Super Bowl. That's not a good argument. I, Give I would, me a different argument. I would put money on the line that if Brady was on the Steelers 2019, they would not have won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and, and maybe, maybe there are other Steelers teams, if he were on in the past four years, where we would have won because you know maybe yeah, he made I the agree. right decisions, right? Yeah. But in 2009, no way. That's not his skill set. Right. And I do think that there's something interesting to be said when we're talking about this overall conversation about um, – QBs and sacks and everything, when you watch, you know, I I probably watch about eight Seahawks games a year because my girlfriend's a big Seahawks fan in addition to the Steelmen. So I get to watch Russell Wilson play. And their whole offense is just, it's staying alive by the Bee Gees. (laughs) It's just Russell Wilson doing spins and backflips and throwing. Watch it. Yeah, it's perfection. It's marching music. But it's like, it's unbelievable that they score touchdowns on a consistent basis and it's just because of the brilliance of that player and they have a notoriously middle school level system so you can imagine if they had a better system that this guy would be even better when you're talking about Russell Wilson even a Patrick Mahomes or something like that so I'm I'm kind of conflating like different topics here at the same time but uh, I always find a way to bring it back to how much I hate Tom Brady yeah it's a good 
we're gonna get sued for that. We don't have a license. <laughs> Sorry, I was just got a phone call. It was my um, right ringtone. Ring uh, ring thank Sorry. you, BGs, for that great song. But I do like. I uh, lost my train of thought. I'm yeah. sorry. Imagine that. I was trying to contribute in some way to this conversation, but you guys have a memory of a bad ex-girlfriend. <laughs> good. Well, yeah. well like we have how bad, girl, bad ex-girlfriends leave scars that run deep, so do opposing quarterbacks for teams that have been in your division. Yeah. Well, speaking of scars, uh, Pat the long-suffering Jets fan, which is redundant, I understand that. You have Le'Veon Bell on the team. What, what's the perspective uh, of your hometown fans it's tough so I remember talking to Nick a few years ago uh, and I was saying who's the most valuable player in your offense mm-hmm. and you said Le'Veon Bell. Bell yeah at the time this was 2015-2016 and I was like I mean surely not obviously it's Ben if he goes down your offense right. changes well, dramatically the and then I didn't realize how great AB was until later Right. Um, with that being said I think like a quarterback's best friend or like those slot receivers there's tight ends and a running back. A running back can do it all. And so Le'Veon Bell will be a sh- massive help to Donald. I think no question about it. I don't think anyone's uh, questioning that. Right. But, you know, when you see stuff, the thing that bothered me is, like, for when it's so clear that it's all about the money. Yeah. And nothing else. And I, I get he's competitive and he's probably training his butt off. They say he trains at a... In oh a yeah, top rate way, and like he can only get that if he's not, if he's doing it on his own. But um, you know, try and be a good teammate. That may be just as important as going out there and putting your work on your own. So I'm excited for what he can bring to Darnold. But uh, you just wish that you're making 14 million dollars. They're paying you a lot of money after you said you would never be a Jet. Yeah. On that Instagram post or Twitter, I don't yeah, know exactly yeah. what he said. So, like, try and give some sort of indication to public that you are happy to be here. You're here for a reason outside of the $14 million. Like, Yeah. Just like the owners. Yeah. They pass for a bad year. Yeah, pretty much. They – and because with Bell, here's the thing is it is true that he will get better physical training with a personal trainer outside of NFL practices. Yeah. Because the NFL is actually randomly still a little bit outdated – Uh, From what I've heard on some of their training, it's like they get you into the building and they have linemen doing the same drills as receivers. They're not even the same species or genus or phylum (laughs) or class for that matter. But, dude, like a week to show up to OTAs isn't going to ruin your training for the whole year. So that's the thing. I guess just watching it, you know, experience a little schadenfreude over there. I feel I got to challenge that. You are on your way to what a four and a half minute mile. Well, and we're, you we're do trying. not. And we're on vacation. Nobody should. We should be sloth like. We should be eating <laughs> cheese doodles. And we yes, we did start happy hour before the mic dropped. And you it's are fun. worried about losing a week's worth of, of uh, time. Okay, that is actually a good comparison because I do remember when I got to the five minute. I'm just trying to like That's max so individual though too. Right. right, you're not part of a team. And he has and he has months to get back into it. Exactly. Right. I guess what he's referencing is when I was going for that five minute mile, and I'm only doing these things just to for a last gasp of athletic uh, prove it to myself before yeah. I turn you know get towards thirty or whatever. But I was telling him, my dad. When I was going for the five-minute mile, I got it, and then the day after, we left and went on a tour with the band for like a week and a half, and then 
I came back and I didn't lose like five or ten seconds. I lost. A, I tumbled back down, and it took me a long. So I was so surprised that it all got crushed that quickly. And so I do. I buy what you're saying with about Le'Veon Bell there, but the difference is like he's not going. He had months to get back into shape, and he has such an, an issue with his public persona from you know sitting out with the Steelers, whether that's right or not, because I think that people are wrong to criticize him for sitting out for the Steelers. Um, he's exercising the only right he had. They wanted to franchise tag him. He's obviously far outperformed that contract with the Steelers. I was sad to see it, but that was his right. He just acted like a bit of a douchebag during the process with tweeting the eyeballs after week one when we tied to the Browns yeah, and making yeah. comments and then going out when he signed with the Jets and making the comments about Ben Roethlisberger to ESPN, which sort of seemed like, oh, I'm just capitalizing on this um, thing that AB just did, so now people think I'm a better guy. I, I just think that's a different that's a different uh, thing than is he alienating himself from the, his new team. And I I do think it, these guys all know it's about the money and it's about the business. Right. I'm sure when he comes in, I I bet you it's open arms. Baker. So oh yeah, a uh, few things with regards to that. I know Baker just called out uh, Duke, Duke Johnson. Johnson. Right, and then Baker got reeled in by his teammates. But like, yeah, this is a business. This is not college anymore. Like, people got to watch out for themselves. You can't be going out saying you're with us or you're against us. So that is true. Um, one thing I wonder, though, is uh, I have heard that Le'Veon Bell is a good teammate. Yeah, everyone likes him. Everyone likes him, which is funny because of what's going on now. Yeah. I remember back when Sanchez, his first few years as a quarterback for the Jets, he, in, in trying to exhibit leadership at a young age, uh, hosted his own little camp with the receivers to try and get to know the guys and right. build some chemistry. And he flew them out to uh, Southern California and they, um, they just got a feel for each other. And I wonder if Bell would do that. Or if he'd be like, no, nah, I'm cool. I'm going to sit this out. Maybe when he's younger, but I don't know about now. Yeah. yeah. And I think he feels like people have, he has been unfairly targeted. Like I say, like I've said, even when he was thinking about sitting out for the Steelers, I said painfully on the podcast, like, I mean, he should definitely do it. Right. Because, and, and our stance was that, yeah, if you're a free agent after the end of this end of that year, there's going to be a Browns or a Dolphins or a Raiders who are going to pay you even more than what the Steelers want to pay you. Funny thing is it didn't, didn't end up happening. Didn't end up happening. Yeah. But, hey, go figure. Um, but it just would be such an easy oh, – so some of the hate he's gotten has been undeserved. Honestly, and people not understanding the nuance of, of football and be like, he's rich, he shouldn't, you know, why would you sit out? Rather than think like he's, these aren't your taxes that they're paying him with. People are going to games and buying jerseys. He's earning this money based on the profession he plays and he deserves to be able to make more. And he's being held hostage because of a stupid CBA that lets teams hold people hostage for one year. So I get that. But then he just acted, he's just acted like a douche after with the tweeting and the interviews yeah. and the uh, the world's against me and I think that that's now his mentality is that he thinks like everyone's against me so I'm just going to be this guy who's out for myself what I'm interested to see is I think he's he's going to have a clear impact oh yeah because of his <laughs> his uh, his receiving ability because here's what's going to be interesting to me is our offensive line is one of a bottom two thirds offensive lines in the NFL going to what we are just talking about we have a bad offensive line, which is not good. Yeah. Uh, Donald can get the ball quickly, which is great. You know, people like Peyton Manning, who doesn't have the mobility and uh, and to be like a rock in the pocket like Roethlisberger, right. would get out just through delivering the ball out quickly and easy right. reads. Um, 
that's how Donaldson had to get around it and through Tony Romo like scrambling. Yeah. Um, as a runner though, it's kind of hard to get around a bad offensive line unless you're Barry Sanders or uh, Saquon Barkley. Mm. Le'Veon Bell is not either one of those guys. Unique no. running style, but not one of those guys. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he does in New York if the if the fans turn on him because of this sort of. Uh, what he's doing now and skipping these voluntary workouts if he's not putting up yardage. I think he's going to do it out of the backfield in terms of the pass receiving threat. And so that's going to help him. But I think he's going to struggle at first. I remember reading um, uh, somebody from the Steelers, maybe a coach saying uh, they're going to have to get used to how he runs, his running style. The the linemen are going to have to continue their blocks. Right. And so that's something I, I'm, you know, looking out for. Is the media and the fans going to turn on him if he's not putting up the yardage because he's not putting the goodwill now? And that's his fault a little bit. And that's where yeah. I would have kind of fault. I'm like, dude, you could have, you would have been beloved if you just came to that right training camp. Now here's my thing. What I think is going to happen? He's going to get into training camp and people are going to be like, oh my god, we haven't had an offensive player like this in yeah. forever because he's amazing. So. Well, what are your uh, what are your what are his prospects? What do you bet he's gonna? How many yards this year? Well, I don't know how many yards he's gonna get, but if I were to bet on how many yards, I would do it at my bookie because my bookie offers betters in all major markets and entertaining of entertaining lineup of gaming options. You can take prop bets. Who's gonna get all more all-purpose yards this year? James Conner or Le'Veon Bell? Maybe probably Le'Veon because they need to make it seem like the investment was worth it. But James Conner's got it going on and he's younger. <laughs> and either way, you can make that bet on myboogie.ag. They got a great mobile site that's easy to use with a sleek design that offers for easy navigation. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. You play, you win, you get paid. So uh, we took our hard bodies at the beach this afternoon. We were tossing the, tossing the ball around a little bit. We were talking about the podcast and um, one of the things we had talked about last week was the new pass interference rule. Right. And Pat, you, you, had, uh, you, you extended that conversation a little bit. And you asked, well, I guess we could talk about that again just to get Pat's perspective. Yeah. But you posed a very interesting question that I think we should take on. Well, here. before you say that, let's just get, get it straight for everybody out there. I don't know if it's official, but it, if, if it's not official, it's about to be a one-year trial basis. I think the rule is pretty much... Um, the uh, pass interference is reviewable now. I don't think you, the coaches can challenge it, but uh, the video official on site deems, uh, if he deems a play really during any point of the game as reviewable, he calls uh, Dean Blandino. Is that the guy? Uh, he calls yeah. that the head of the, uh, the, the guy who really should not be in the job he's working <laughs> in the uh, NFL office and calls tells this guy to take a look at it. I have his name written down here in my notes somewhere because, you know, you got to take notes sometimes. But, um, oh, Riveron, Al Riveron. So basically, if you see a fishy uh, call during a game, the replay official at the game calls Al Riveron in New York who has not demonstrated the knowledge... Um, uh, necessary to be able to differentiate between these things because he actually gave a presentation in the offseason saying like obviously here's the play with uh, the Saints and the Rams we know this is a pass interference then he showed a play with the Chargers and the Chiefs which was just like 
more ticky tack, and he said, "Obviously, this would be called pass interference." Right. And we're thinking, "Oh my god!" And then he shows the play in the Super Bowl where Brandon Cooks dropped that go route into the right side of the end zone um, from Jared Goff, who miraculously threw it within the general vicinity of him. And Stephon Gilmore actually got there and touched Cook's arm before the ball came down. So, like, by the letter of the law, it'll be pass interference when you slowed it down. But if you really watch it, he, uh, Cooks was able to get his arms back up and get both hands on it. And Riveron, I think, talked about that, too, saying, like, that's pass interference. So, basically, Pandora's box is opened. Could they flip it, though? Because there's a lot of defensive pass interference all the time. But there's also offensive receivers pushing off. And can you actually... Uh, review a play on the opposite side and say, hi, I, I think this wide receiver, I think A.B. pushed off. He probably did. To go get this ball, Ooh. right? <laughs> is that a part of the new rule? I think it is, but sure. that that that's, almost makes it even worse for me because for me, I'm just, I think that you had a play with the Saints-Rams that's like a once in every 10 years situation. It sucked. It was objectively the wrong call. Just like Joe Hayden pass interference on Alvin Kamara when the Steelers played them was objectively the wrong call, right? And uh, albeit in a smaller spotlight. And, and that happened, and it sucks, and it's going to happen. But now you're going to create a hundred more of these because it's like the old saying, there's holding on every play, there's pass interference on every play, and you're going to slow down a game that's already slowed down. And when you put things – I think they do have to watch it in full speed instead of slow motion, but I think you're opening a Pandora's box. Gentlemen, if we're not careful, we're going to be watching girls lacrosse in the NFL. I'm not sure if everybody in America, uh, whether lacrosse has come to your area or not, but – and, um, boy, I'm going to get in trouble for this. But Keeping an eye for Kate Taylor, number 21, Boston College, killing it. You can't She's get in the way. So my girlfriend in college with girls across. You at um, D1, so I went to all the games. Girls across, you can't even um, – and it's almost even harder. You can't right. even get in the way of the offensive players, a defender or something. Right. Like it's it's just incredibly hard to play defense. But what you what UT was getting at um, – it wasn't a sexist remark about girls no, lacrosse. No. It was exactly what he's saying right there. What you're saying, it's like it's almost harder to the, – the rule is no contact, straight up. But that would be too hard to switch to that I just, in the NFL based on how the game's played. Yeah, that was really egregious, uh, that that call, I yeah. think. And, um, you know, given what was at stake and a Super Bowl appearance. Um, yeah. I mean, granted, it was a horrible throw, and they threw an interception on the drive, and they got the right, ball. right. But you know, you, you ignore all those. Well, it's Drew Brees, yeah. So we do ignore all the other factors. No, you just you look at it in a vacuum. Jared Goff could have thrown it, and Sam Darnold. It was just a it was a horrible call. Yes, and I think uh, you know, one feel bad for the Saints fans who had to suffer through two years in a row of heartbreaking losses. Yes, but, um, that's horrible. So, you know, they're doing it for a year. I'm not as uh, against it just because it's a one-year trial run. And uh, I assume that you can only challenge it with one of your two challenges. No, the coaches don't have power. It's deemed by a video. Yeah, so then never mind. Picture. That's bad. Mike Florio had a good suggestion. It's basically like a break glass in case of emergency rule to address exactly what you're saying to save the Saints fans from certain rioting of a horrible which is basically like just get a sky judge at every game and I just, for only something like that not don't send it back to New York just review something if it's like crazy egregious like that where everybody it, uh, I think he phrased it like we're 100 fans no 500 no 2,000 fans in a bar should be able to point out this right. was a horrible miss not like 
I remember watching the play that in the Super Bowl. Right, if you had that, you're like, the NFL's going to have 2,000 random fans, <laughs> put them in a bar. Get them drunk. And they'll be exactly right. And if it registers with them, that would be a fun rule. Yeah. Okay, now the we're getting somewhere. The sky judges, you're going to have to hire one more guy at $200,000 a year in the weather. 14, 14 games a weekend. $2.8 million come out of the NFL coffers. I think they're going to be grudgingly. Yeah, tough. <laughs> Hold on, we have another pause for our second sponsor. <laughs> the sweet nectar the of... Please sponsor us. This is called Bear. Stone Ripper. They're not giving looks us good. anything. It looks it awesome. It's great yeah. branding, but there's a freebie for you, Stone Ripper. I know you're listening, so why don't you hook us up with a little case and we'll give you a little something more. The play in the Super Bowl. The throw to Brandon Cooks on the go route where he was covered, I don't know if it was Pat Chung and oh, some stupid Patriots defenders. Let's, let's be honest. We don't care. But uh, no, it was Stephon Gilmore and, and, and another guy who, um, Stephon Gilmore is a guy who made contact. And I remember vividly seeing that play in the Super Bowl and first just doubling down in my opinion of Brandon Cooks being like the lowest and number one wide receiver you can have. Like, is yeah. he even a number one? It's an interesting conversation. Yeah, no, I think that there's a great argument for that because it was just I saw the contact before it happened, but I just didn't deem it enough to be like pass interference. And even if it was the Steelers, I would yell for like I want to win the Super Bowl. Let's get that call. But I was obviously rooting for the Rams in that Super Bowl because the Patriots are playing in it, and I wasn't even mad. I was like, I'm glad they didn't call that ticky tack. He, Antonio Brown, would have caught that. Right. DeAndre Hopkins would have caught that. And uh, I just, I'm worried about there's going to be a lot of plays like that because Al Riveron has even referenced plays like that. And now we're going to be in really ticky-tackville and you're going to turn into the NBA last five minutes of the game. You might as well not turn into the, tune into the rest of the game because the last five minutes yeah. are an hour, you know? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. If, it better not slow it down. The NFL is in like this weird spot, I feel. Um, I think they've been losing viewers. Uh, at one point, they were, I know, two years ago or a few years ago. Right, were, with the Kaepernick stuff, but I think that... Down. I well, think there, you had a lot of stuff. You know, the game is, you'd say you're slowing down, you also... It was have, more entertainment um, out there, honestly. I, you know, what UT was getting at the uh, with the comment earlier, it's just, when you take away the physicality of it, like when certain hits that were, you didn't used to be... Like when you get um, nailed for... Uh, when Juju crushes Vontae's perfect soul out of his body. And there's yeah, a it's a really good hit. Yeah. And if you're a these guys are so athletic and so fast, this is a point that's been made over and over again. Uh, and you're running a four three to go hit a guy who's also running a four three. Yeah. How are you supposed to change your body to avoid hitting right in the head? Right. I, I don't know. I mean, that's some stuff where they lose me a little bit, and this this does add to that. You've already screwed the defenders over so thoroughly, yeah. the, particularly the cornerbacks and the safeties, and. I like what you were saying earlier about, hey, maybe this will call some offensive pass interferences. But we all know that it's going to be like one out of every ten. They'll be the offensive pass interference. What, what gets me, it just would really, and this again is somebody who's had to watch Brady who barely gets hit. And when he does, he complains like he's some sort of soccer player who just got like a breath of somebody's air, was blown in his shin, and now he's down. Well, it's distract. Like, uh, I just want to see the defense is to start getting a little bit more love. And I want to see guys be able to come through the middle and smack a quarterback. You know, back in the day, I feel like Brett Favre liked to get hit hard. Andrew Luck does. He thanks Andrew him. Luck does. Yes. I think that's awesome. And then he that's had to part, sit out of your football. That's a part of football. A part of a 
football should be Tom Brady sitting back, not getting touched and getting soft. Right, seven on seven. Roughing the passer. Connie's, you know. Like in the championship game, the yeah, one he got. Um, exactly right. I, now, I'm with uh, as much... Con- I mean, if they can control some of that and take away some of the concussion issues and the major injury problems, if it's within the realm of possibility, I'm for it because I want the game to continue to grow and some stuff might be needlessly violent. And that's weird coming from someone who played football and was there doing Oklahoma's for hours legitimately in training camp every day. So believe me, I'm there and I'm with it. And, and honestly, that those days did a lot for my life as a human being and learning lessons and how to kind of work through something. But... Um, you know, football, uh, less parents are letting their kids play. So if we can do things to reduce some of that violence that aren't a physically impossible ask, I'm fine with that. But when you're asking for things that are physically impossible, like the corner, do not touch the receiver at all, but cover him. That's not possible. Like what you were just saying, okay, two, four, three guys are running at each other in the greatest athletes that the world has ever seen. Yes. And... They're going to collide, and the receiver catches it because the ball is thrown slightly behind him. So then his face, his head moves to the last second, and the cornerback was aiming at his chest, but now the head has moved at the last fraction of a second. Like, you can't ask that of somebody. Yeah. So that, you need to draw the line there somewhere. You can make the change. I mean, you can narrow the field. I mean, this is step one. I was just reading my book, which I'm going to quote from you. The, the uh, NFL narrowed the hash marks intentionally to open up the game to passing in the early 70s. I mean, there are things you could do if you really wanted to. Right. I don't think, I, I agree with you that they can't change things that aren't physically possible, but they can change the dimensions of the field. They change the rules with regularity. And in this case, I think this is just, I, I agree with you, Nick, this is just a knee-jerk reaction that's going to be impossible to adjudicate. Which is the critical pass? You're, you're pointing to a critical playoff game. Right. But every game, people are mental about. So if there's any kind of, not even egregious, like Pat, you were saying, every play, there's pass interference. So who's to say whether that's significant or not? Can you name another one that's as bad as that either? Tuck rule is the only other one that comes to my mind. Like, this was the worst one that we've seen. And it was horrible, and the Saints got hosed. The Saints got hosed. And he did throw an interception after. But they got screwed. I mean, but you know what the funny thing is, dude? Just for the record, I don't hate Drew Brees. I much as others, but I adore Drew Brees growing up because he was the only other five eleven quarterback that I could look up to. And now I still have Russ. no. And now we have Russ and this other guy for Cleveland, and now a dude in Arizona. So they're all over the place. But at, my thing with Drew Brees is I still love Drew Brees. I just find it disgusting how you he is in that sentence of Roger, you know, Rogers, Brady, Breeze, when I just do not think that he is that much better than Ben Roethlisberger. If you want to see his, say he's better, then we can split the hairs there, but it, it annoys me that he gets placed with the Brady and the Rogers and just a quick aside, kick yeah, to just, the curd. That was it. That's a quick aside. Breeze is paying me to say stuff like that. <laughs> he's a, he's a, Drew Breeze is a human he's angel. He's a yeah. saint. We had a lot. I went to Literally. school in New Orleans for their first. Saint. I celebrated with everybody for their first Super Bowl. He. There are stories of a lot of my friends who see Drew Breeze in public, and he'll chat it up with them. And like he's a cool guy. Yeah. Gotta love Drew. I just don't like the public propping him up on this pedestal that maybe Brady and Rodgers deserve more than Breeze and Ben, but Ben should be right there with them, and it's appalling that people So, uh, Pat, you, you uh, suggested that during the podcast we all offer what rule change we would like to see if we get the chance to try it out for a year. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Here's a uh, new one that comes out that's quite controversial, 
And uh, obviously here we have you know, people very opinionated. And I was just curious if you could change, Nicky John, one rule. One rule. That uh, what would it be? If you could say, guys, actually, I'm Nick Serena. I don't know if you know me. We're not going to do don't. the pass interference thing. I got another rule. And here's what it's going to be. It is going to be... Another rule. Okay, I we, we talked about this briefly. I didn't have any time to really prepare anything, so maybe I'll regret saying this. But the first one I sort of think about off the top of my head is that juju hit on perfect. And I don't like that the crackback blocks are illegal. I sort of think that's fair game. I think that that's part of your responsibility as a linebacker is to keep your head up and, and figure out where you're going. And if juju wants to come back and make that crackback block on perfect, you're almost putting him in danger. If you don't let juju hit hard, like what is he supposed to go do? Like set a basketball pick in front of Vontae's perfect. Like, he's just supposed to lay his body out in front of a man who can kill people with his hands. Like, you're almost endangering the wide receiver. So, maybe I'll regret this, seeing as I just went on a... Uh, uh, um, tirade? Um, yeah, I was going to say tirade, but that's a little strong. I just made a point about removing the violent aspects of the game, if you can. But I think that that changes... Uh, I, I think that that one's kind of... Like, just keep your head up, Fontes. Part of me... Yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know. I, the violence is part of the game. It's like taking boxing and be like, you know what? No more punching. Here's two punches. Start hitting each other. Be a different sport. That's part of the game. You know, like and it's something when you step into boxing, you step into football, you, I think, are aware of the consequences potentially. And this is a whole other topic. It's controversial, I think. Right. Uh, if you told someone you... We're looking for listeners here, so keep yeah. it going. Controversial. Are you sure? Yeah. But if you told somebody... Uh, it's your choice. You can make $50 million a year, but you might have lifelong brain damage. <laughs> How many people would say yes? I, I might. Well, I'll say yes. I'm not that bright anyway. Yeah, exactly right. There's um, not a lot to lose. It's a slow fall. And you know what? Your point is like the con, there's a consequence. There's a physical consequence. So it's not just about what happens on that play. It's about how you strategize and quarterbacks and offensive coordinators know that now you can throw over the middle constantly because you're not going to get your receivers laid out like you yeah. used to, which they used to have to worry about. Yeah. You felt bad if you got your receivers laid out and the, and you also know you can do longer developing pass plays because the threat of the quarterback getting hurt is lower rather than when Terry Bradshaw was playing. I mean, you remember the Dallas Cowboys, one dude picked him up and the other one ripped the football out of his hands <laughs> and the original guy threw Terry on the ground. Like there was real, I mean, the things Joe Green did to other quarterbacks, you know you were risking that every time you faded back yeah. to pass. So you had to do other things to move the ball down the field. So it's almost the threat of the consequence sometimes yeah. that makes a difference. It uh, For me, it's, it's a whole, I don't know if I could choose... One, overall, I don't like how defenses are being, uh, like, almost, they're penalized. They're, they're fighting with one hand behind their back. I don't like how a holding call is five yards and a first down, which arose, by the way, out of Peyton Manning. Mm, uh, complaining about the Patriots and exactly the championship right, the Patriots game. Patriots roughing up his team in the championship game. Um, like, yeah, I don't like how an offensive pass interference is a spot penalty and a defensive, excuse me, defensive pass interference is a spot penalty. But an offensive pass interference is only ten yards. Yeah, you know, it's just, it, that's not incongruent. Exactly right. It's not equitable, and so um, make me. I, I don't know. I have to think on that. Point. Yeah, maybe I fixing some of the. Yeah. No, I like that though. The that's the point. Did you have one? I, I, this, this isn't exactly a rule change. This is a change in in the game. I would eliminate the kickoff. 
start everybody at the 20. I'm with that. And the other thing is, I was I, I said this afternoon not to eliminate the extra point. I wouldn't let like the extra point. I would let two point conversion or drop kick. Old school. Why would you eliminate <laughs> the kickoff? And the only reason I ask is because as a fan, some of my most like I remember when Brad Smith in 2010, Iowa, we were in Pittsburgh. I was in a bar in New York, and Brad Smith. It was snowing. It was the year you ended up beating us in the, in the right. NFC Championship. I think kickoff returns for a touchdown. For a touchdown. Right. I just was talking to Nick earlier about. It. I remember Chad Morton having two kickoff returns for touchdowns. They're very um, memorable moments in the oh, game. Oh, yeah. And I was curious why you would remove them. I am re- I'm suggesting just because the whole the violence. You know, the, fear, the fear of the injury. And, yeah. and those, those those plays are spectacular because they're rare. <laughs> so, I mean. Well, they're all. It's, I'm, think, I'm thinking of. They are rare. Like, it does seem when you're in the kickoff uh, return team, it's like, go, go <laughs> back and then just wait. Hold on to each other's hands like when they treat you. They're coming! <laughs> it's like the band playing out the Titanic sinking. <laughs> or the Dothraki in that, exactly. la- in that battle in Game of Thrones. I would elim- eliminate the kickoff because they basically already have. I mean, yeah. it's all touchbacks anyway. So that's yeah. why I feel like... Because I'm with you. I mean, Antonio Brown's first game, he scored on a kickoff reverse. And <laughs> Hank Poteet, Antoine Randall, Hank those were Poteet. my first favorite. Those were my favorite Steelers. Chidi didn't uh, return any punts, but he was magnificent as well. Or kicks. But yeah, the, the, it was such an excite, uh, exciting part of the game, but it's gone now already. Right. So just get rid of it, and you might get rid of some commercial breaks. And honestly, those are some things that we know the NFL won't want to look into as far as, oh, we'll voluntarily lose money. I know they said they're actually shortening some of the commercial breaks, but... You know, Do we'll you like see. overtime? Sudden, uh, like you have overtime oh, would you go to college? Or we had a discussion about this. No, I like the current rule. I think the current rule where... Um, Basically, if you lose the coin toss, you can hold the other team to the field goal and still get a chance to win. I like that because I feel like the old rule where it's straight sudden death, you lose the coin toss, all they got to do is maybe get like 30 yards and they get to kick a field goal and they win. That's kind of crappy. But this way, it's like I think that if you just give both teams um, an opportunity to score on offense, then we have – then defense is pointless at this point. Shouldn't you – Shouldn't your defense mean something, or are we just going to come out here and admit that it, it really is just bad offense? We've changed all the rules well, to make it easier. Might as well. Look at, I mean, it's funny. We talk about this the controversy stemming from the NFC Championship, and yet what's getting swept under the rug is that, hey, in the AFC Championship, everyone knew that whoever won that coin toss was going to win the game. Right. And who won the coin toss? The Patriots. If the Chiefs had won, they're winning the game. Yeah. So, like, you already are stripping okay. the defense of any – of uh, what – you know, you're stripping the – like meat from the defense. So. I like it that you're giving the defense a handicap. I'm not asking you to stop them, you know? You can still give up you can give up ninety nine yards or whatever and still get the ball back. If the yeah, I guess You know, you know what I mean? Unless Pete That's just how I feel about Pete it. Carroll is your head coach, if you get to the one yard line, you're probably gonna <laughs> score. <laughs> right. But what it's if you don't? Be, you never know. Yeah. So I just got the signal from um, the chef. Your mom. We got to wrap it up. We're going sorry, on uh, 53. Yeah. Nothing to be so, sorry about. This but, was great. But there so we're going to move here, right? I do. But I, my book that I brought for the week is called The Last, Last Headbangers by Kevin Cook, published in 2012. And on the front cover is the Steelers-Oakland playoff game of 1972. And by the way, get this book and look at this picture. These men are paying, playing on spray-painted asphalt. <laughs> when you think about who's getting hurt... These men were playing on concrete. But I just want to leave you with a quote from this book. It's the 1972 divisional playoff with the Steelers playing the Raiders. 
linebacker Phil Villapiano couldn't get his helmet to fit tightly enough. He took a breath, then reared back, and smacked his forehead into the cement block wall. Bam. Bam, bam. Now he paused as if waiting for the wall to crumble. But that wasn't it. He was waiting for something else. A moment later, Villapiano pulled his helmet back on. There. Better. Knocking his forehead against the wall had made his head swell just a little. And now the helmet fit. Can't argue you... with the, the results, but the methodology. I certainly think maybe the CTE could be coming from something else. <laughs> hey, so maybe these aren't the smartest people in the world. Is, are these the guys they're testing? This has been a blast for us. We'd love to hear from you guys. We, we put a lot of things out there, so please communicate with us. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. By the way, Nick and I are here all week. We have a few things planned for Instagram, so stay tuned there. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an old-fashioned email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Thanks for being here, Pete Butch. Anytime. Go Steelman. Go Steelman. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts.
to hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.